Hails, minions and mortals, this is Fang von Rathenstein, lead singer of the most metal band on earth, the Lords of the Trident, and we are running seven live streams every single month, including full band concerts, solo guitar shred sessions, and even classic Sega CD game playthroughs. So head on over to youtube.com slash Lords of the Trident and twitch.tv slash Lords of the Trident and subscribe. We've got a Patreon too, so check that out. Do it quick before Andy realizes he played the Lords ad and not the Lord ad. Hey, another week of podcasting, and before we kick into this week's episode, you know what I'm going to say, Patreon. Patreon.com slash Andy Dowling. We now have Team Acronoplan. Team Acronoplan has launched. It is in motion. It is flying across the water. Do you know what Acronoplan is? If you don't, go to Patreon. Patreon.com slash Andy Dowling. There are Acronoplan t-shirts, and there's a great little community there that are supporting the Andy Social Podcast. All the money that comes in from Patreon goes to covering all the production costs, hosting, gear, getting around town, all the costs and expenses that come into running a podcast, which I've been doing for the past five years. So go and check it all out, patreon.com slash Andy Dowling. There is a weekly Patreon-only podcast that comes out every Tuesday morning, 6 a.m., a bit of karaoke, a bit of a chronoplan talk, uh, some really uh, educational and informative stories, uh, some TV adverts from the 90s, you know, just throw some random stuff in there just to keep everyone entertained. And it's probably the best podcast in the world, if you ask me. So go over to patreon.com slash Andy Dowling. Go and check it all out. We'd love to have you. Cheers. Hey, welcome back to the Andy Social Podcast, episode 256. And this week's guest is Alex Rad. Alex is the guitarist in Sydney metal band Thraxis. They released a single in 2019 called Cthulhu Rising or Kuhulu or something like that. I don't know if I've got the pronunciation right. Who knows? Nonetheless, you can go to thraxisband.bandcamp.com and I'll have uh, links to Alex and Thraxis in the show notes over at andysocial.net and andydowling.net, including the singles. You can check out that music. And uh, yeah, a great chat with Alex. I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, We cover everything from uh, the band itself, what's been happening over the past 12 months, uh, as well as what's going on in 2021. Um, Alex, Alex's uh, introduction to music, her dad being an ACDC fanatic, uh, her disciplines around not only, uh, playing guitar, but martial arts and getting into bodybuilding and, and just a really fun chat. So I hope you guys enjoy it. AndySocial.net, AndyDowling.net. Enough crapping on from me. Please enjoy this great chat with Alex Rad. Are you one of uh, the the tens or hundreds of thousands of bands around the world that are just sort of sitting there going, oh, well, we had plans this year, but I didn't quite go didn't quite go to plan. So we're sort of you know everything's on pause, and that's been us for for the most of this year. Has it been the same for you guys as well? Yeah, we had like so much booked um, between like January and so because my drummer just had his first baby boy, so I was trying to like cram everything in just before the baby was going to come, <laughs> which was July. So I had, yeah, all this stuff booked and um, and then, yeah, COVID hit and then everything went to shit and it was like, oh, fuck, like we've lost all these gigs and then, yeah, then we sort of took a bit of a break, like while he started his new family and everything and now we've like started cracking again so we've got a bit happening for next year. But, yeah, it's just been – it's basically just a year written off really. Yeah, I, I, we're, I'm in a similar position now but going into next year, so – I'm not sure. It's not exactly the most public of knowledge, but um, I did see some public Facebook posts. So for me, that's enough of a, an indicator that I'm allowed to talk about it on a podcast. So yeah, otherwise, I'm going to get in trouble <laughs> by Mark. But uh, Mark's having his first kid uh, next year. 
I yeah, think um, wow, due around that's... March or April or something like that. So yeah. uh, for me, um, I've been sort of really conscious of that thinking he's going to be out of action for a bit and it's his yeah. first kid as well. So no doubt he will be want to be a lot more involved and, you know, like I'm sure you'd I mean, I don't have any kids, so I'm just like making assumptions here. But um, <laughs> I'm assuming that the, the first child is probably the more intense one, and and you know you're sensitive to everything, and you want to sort of overcompensate everything. So I think yeah. his availability, sort of in the first half of next year at least, is going to be pretty pretty thin. So for me, it's like, yeah. okay, how do I how do I plan everything and and sort of be strategic about it? So it kind of would have worked out better if uh, it all happened a year earlier, <laughs> like like what's yeah. happened with your band, because it's kind of yeah. I guess it's a blessing in disguise, really, because he's been able to go through all that and, and, you know, starts, you know, you know, getting used to family life and all of this while, you know, the world sort of puts a big pause at the moment and, and everyone sort of sits back and sort of just waits. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Was it, because um, I think last year you guys put out a single and was that sort mm-hmm. of, I guess, sort of the basis of sort of going into this year of sort of running off the momentum of that and then sort of continuing on? And were you having plans to sort of record more or put out some more music this year? That was the plan, but we are we are actually going into the studio in February, which oh, is nice. exciting. Yes, yeah, so I can let that one slide. The voice said I can talk about that one. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, um, yeah, it's pretty much like we released a single, been writing uh, most of this year, and then, yeah, so the plan was to record basically as soon as we can. So, um, yeah, we've got that booked for February, so we'll have a new record I'm hoping maybe mid mid next year, depending on like how much we get done and such for the release. But um, yeah, so next year is going to be a big one. It must be. I mean, it must be pretty tough for for all of you in the band. I know the band's been around for a few years now, but I think you've you've been in the band probably the last couple of years, and mm-hmm. the band, I guess, in the grand scheme of things, is is still relatively new and. I guess the excitement of, of, of the band and sort of the potential and, and the, the goals and where you want to go to be sort of kind of cut off, uh, you know, at the legs, uh, you know, this year and sort yeah. of not being able to do much. I'm, I'm just making an assumption would be quite tough. Whereas I guess for us, we've been around for so long now and we've, we've had to slow down so much with our touring and everything that we do. I mean, yeah. I, even last year, I think I only saw Tim and Mark, you know, for whatever the shows were that we played last year. And for the most part, I didn't really see them at all. So we were sort of used to working in isolation. But I think for yeah. a band like yourselves, I, I guess, it, I mean, how did how did everyone in the band sort of adjust to it mentally? Because no doubt it's a big part of your lives and it's a big part mm. of your identity. Um, did did everyone sort of do okay? Or was there a bit of a bit of a struggle sort of even mentally just to sort of readjust to trying to fill in your time with other things? Um, well, we like we talk every day. We're really close. We're basically like family. <laughs> but um, I think honestly, I think this year was actually like it's probably obviously COVID shit, but it was probably good timing for us. Like, it was sort of that time where we needed a break, and then Isaac's baby was coming, obviously. So um, now I think we we all feel really refreshed, um, feeling better, I guess, um, and like looking forward to bigger things. Cause yeah, it's like start of the year, I'll start and get tired already just from, you know, <laughs> smashing, smashing gigs and recording. And by then I was just like, fuck, I need a break. <laughs> so and it was actually sort of like good timing, but, um, yeah, like we still talked every day and we're still writing. Like we do a lot of writing digitally. So mm. like just on guitar pro. So during COVID, we're just constantly sending stuff over. So we're still we're still really productive, but also taking a break at the same time. Did you have something like a like a Dropbox folder or something like some sort of file share thing where you just upload upload 
pieces of music just to to go back and forth with? Yeah, well, we just so like generally someone will sort of just set up a like a tab and then we just sort of share around in the Facebook group um, as like more ideas sort of come through. Um, but yeah, we just do it like that. Yeah, cool. So yeah, yeah I think I, I noticed a lot of friends of mine and just bands in general, I think at the beginning of sort of when COVID hit and everyone started to get really desperate about what to do like and and mm. you know artists and bands trying to think outside the box and try just to do something just to keep it in everyone's uh front of mind and and sort of maintain them at the attention and mm. i guess um you know for some bands it's uh, and i guess the way that you sort of described it, it sounds like you know you you probably just thought well this is an opportunity just to sort of sit back and recalibrate and sort of yeah. think about okay how how do we how do we continue to do what we want to do, but maybe spend a little bit more time planning and making sure that everyone's everyone's really ready to go instead of not so much that I don't think you you guys would have rushed it, but um, mm. but I think if if you, you know, if you're exhausted in January of the year, <laughs> you know, then then there's, there might be a couple of alarm bells ringing. <laughs> yeah, like for us for a smaller band like you said as well we're a local band like a year is a lot of time like we could have done so much this year but then I also think like yeah it was like we needed the break especially after like what was last year 2019 like going to Melbourne that was like our first interstate gig for Thrash Fest and then Brisbane like there was just so much going on all at once and then I was just like you just sort of like the wheels start to slow down I was just like yeah I'm getting tired now (laughs) (laughs) have you found I mean you know, the band plays thrash, it's pretty obvious. And yeah. there's a lot of Australian thrash metal bands that have popped up in the last several years. Um, and I think I think someone else has coined the term, but it's something like, you know, the Australian wave of thrash metal or something like that. In the last in the last probably five years, there's been some amazing bands that have popped up. And I think yeah. just you mentioning the um, the gig that you did down in Melbourne, uh, what, what sort of um, experiences have you had personally or even the band just sort of branching out and sort of building these networks of, of bands that play really similar music to you guys? Because, I mean, it's it's something that from our point of view as a band, it's it's not the easiest thing to do because there's not a lot of bands in Australia for, for a long time that were playing sort of more or less power metal for the most part. Uh, yeah. And there are a few bands, but not too many. But um, Thrash, there's, there's definitely a really strong community. Did you did you experience any of that uh, going into state and meeting some of these bands? Um, yeah, so like say example for Thrush Fest, like I already knew some of the bands that were playing some of the guys there. Um, but yeah, basically I, I use Facebook for a lot of that thing. Like I sort of suss out like what gigs are happening, who's playing. I look at the lineups and such and I think that's also how I find new bands and not, and then obviously going to see them as well. But um, yeah, I think Facebook's are like a really good brand. Same with in- Instagram or even just Google search really. Yeah, but, um, I, I, had, I used to have to do that right at the beginning when we – when we changed the name to Lord and I was sort of a little bit fresh to, to the Sydney scene. Cause I was from Brisbane yeah. um, originally. And so for me, just trying to work out who's who and where, the, where all yeah. the little cliques are and the little groups and who hangs out with who, who are the friends sort of like walking into a new school. You go, Oh shit. Like, uh, <laughs> I want to make sure I hang out with the cool people. And you know, it's a case of just like a lot of research, uh, you know, checking people's MySpace pages or whatever it was at the time. And, yeah. and, and going to, just walking up to people and having a beer or having a drink and just just talking and you know uh, whatever whatever it took to break the ice whether it be uh, you know a, a metal t shirt that you go hey I like that band or whatever and suddenly you get you get talking and you start yeah. to build that network and it's such a massive difference and it's one thing that 
I notice with a lot of bands that don't do it as much anymore because, well, this year, I mean, just don't even worry about this year. This year's a write-off. But I think even <laughs> leading up to this year, I don't think people actively went out to as many shows as they used to. And so mm. you lose that whole networking aspect. And you can do it online and it's okay. But I think I think uh, you need a blend of of doing the online stuff, but also just getting out there, going to gigs and interacting with people and people can put a face to the name and yeah, 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 builds, sure. builds your branding. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so I guess going into next year, uh, recording and mm-hmm. is it a case of like a lot of bands at the moment really trying to suss out, is it okay to be playing? When can we play? Is there any sort of plans in the back of your minds going, well, maybe we'll do some shows at some point next year, or is it more of a case of just focus on recording first and then, and then go from there? Yeah, I think I think we're just going to focus on recording at the moment just because that's in February. Like, really, it's not a lot of time now. So I think we'll get back to actually live shows in March, but that's been a year since, our like, our last show. It feels so long. <laughs> It was so, a long time. It was a long time. Are you, oh, yeah. Are you, I mean, you mentioned you started practicing again that uh, – as a band, yeah. are you are you a little bit you, not stressed? Stress isn't the word, but are you sort of feeling <laughs> a little bit of the pressure of when that gig will eventually happen because it's been so long? Yeah, like I almost feel like you know that like nervous feeling in your gut again. <laughs> like I finally got rid of that. Like don't get me wrong, I love it. You know when you get on stage and you're like adrenaline's pumping and that, but I hate that like gut-churning feeling when you're so nervous. Now I feel like that again because I'm like, oh, my God, it's been a year since I've been on a stage. Like, it's, it feels not natural anymore. <laughs> it's been so long. Yeah, that's a, that's a weird feeling because it, it can really work in your favour and it can, it can really get you pumped up. But, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But if you let it, if you let it control you, then uh, it can just it can break you down really quickly, and you get the jelly legs yeah. and all sorts of stuff, and <laughs> and uh, yeah, you, you, the hand the hand is nowhere near where it needs to be on the neck, and you're playing bunk yeah. notes left, right, and center. It's just a, it's a train wreck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, before joining Thraxis, what were you what were you doing beforehand? Because I've got a funny feeling I've seen you play somewhere else in Sydney years and years ago, but I could be wrong. No, I'm actually only 21. So I, I joined Thraxis like basically as soon as I like got out of school. I saw the ad, thought, you know what, I'll I'll try this and join. Um, but yeah, that was the first like serious thing um, that I joined when I was 18. But apart from that, it was just like you know just doing the regular weekend things with friends or whatever, but nothing actually serious while yeah, I was right. in school. There we go. Yeah, there you go. That's uh, <laughs> that's 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 my hazy years of going to gigs and not remembering what I've what I've seen, and what I haven't. But uh, there you go. So, so first first main band. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. I mean, especially to sort of jump into it and you know get a single out and and get some momentum going and and you yeah know, the the band the band seems to have everything in order and it's, i mean as as we've been talking about it's only really been this year that's sort of thrown things out of whack but um yeah it's uh that's pretty cool i mean i've seen i've seen you play guitar online and i mean you you you're pretty shit hot on guitar <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> but, but um i guess where where does that all come from as far as you know how long have you been playing guitar for when did you, when did you first get into into guitar because i guess i mean i guess there's i mean there's a, there's a lot of shred, shred guitarists out there and there's a lot of people that got some really good chops and and whatever but i i haven't really seen many people in sydney for a long time that have really sort of I guess taking that approach and, and sort of play, well, play the way that you're playing. Yeah, 
Um, so I started playing when I was about eight. So what, it's like 13, 13 years now. Yeah, right. Wow. Um, yeah, started off with just basically like hard rock. So like ACDC, um, got into Metallica. So yeah, just like all that sort of thing. And then I started moving into metal as I started getting older, started getting some more gear, getting a bit more serious about it. Um, got into John Petrush is my favorite guitarist, Dream Theater. Um, that's a good way to get your chops. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's such a big. It's like can't even take steps. It's just sort of like you got to leap into it, sort of thing. But yeah, so Dream Theater, Opeth, they're my two biggest influences. So like I am in a thrash band, but you'll hear there's a lot of elements. Same with like Dan as well. He he loves his prog. Um, yeah, balls into like groove and thrash as well. Same with Isaac. So we've got like a bit of that mixture, even like a a splash of death metal in there. Mm-hmm. But um. So yeah, so that's where it all started for me. And but, yeah, and was it a, was it a stereotypical sort of uh, introduction into like heavy music from like a sibling or or a friend or somebody like that that got you into? In, I mean, even just to be playing guitar at eight. I mean, I'm I don't know that many people that started playing that early. Usually, it's sort of you know probably 13, 14, sort of getting into your mid-teens that people start to really get into heavy music and they pick up a guitar and they want to play Metallica and all that sort of stuff. So um, eight, yeah. eight, is, eight is young. I mean, where where did the inspiration come from? Um, I actually got into it from my dad. He he just plays a lot of like hard rock ACDC. I've never seen anyone as big as a, like ACDC fanatic as he is. Yeah. But um, <laughs> that, that's where it started. So he had like a but like an old 1960s SG, he still has it. Wow. Um, yeah, so like I, I sort of started playing on that and then he just like kept pushing me to keep playing and keep playing and then he got me a Gretsch, that was my first guitar. So I was like very, wow. very much into like Angus and Malcolm. Yeah, I, then I ended up turning into a fanatic as well and I thought, oh, shit, I need to get into some <laughs> other stuff as well. Because <laughs> you know when you start picking up someone else's style and you're like, oh, I want to develop my own thing. So I had to sort of branch out and then I got into like Maiden and Metallica and then it sort of just like got gradually heavier and um yeah as I got older so and was was that your dad that was sort of also showing you Maiden and and these other bands as well a little bit he's sort of I think Maiden's probably the heaviest thing he'll listen to yeah yeah (laughs) so then I sort of had to like get my own like sort of find my own way to metal so yeah yeah so I found that through through friends mainly because it's sort of hard when you like when you don't know any metal bands like, how do you get into it? Mm. Like, I sort of just did searches and that, and then, like, friends started taking me to gigs, started getting into it a bit more, and then, yeah, here we are now. Yeah, it's a tough one, especially sort of going going through school because, yeah, even for me when I was when I was in high school, you know, there was like probably two or three other people that liked metal, oh, yeah. metal-ish music. Not even. <laughs> and, yeah, and, but they didn't, you know, maybe they liked a few Metallica songs, and, and for me, in my mind, that they're, they're metal fans, you know, that's it. Doesn't matter if they, yeah. they also like you know the Chili Peppers or, or Blink One Eighty Two or whatever it is. It's just like no, yeah. they like Metallica. They're metalheads, and <laughs> um, and yeah, it wasn't really until oh yeah, towards the end of high school that you really started to sort of find all these people. And and luckily for me, and I assume it'd be similar for you, the the wonders of the internet, just being able to connect with people online and so, suddenly yeah. finding people in other parts of town and sort of going, oh cool, there are other people out there that like similar stuff to me. And then that's where you sort of learn and. And uh, and grow with your musical taste, but also playing as well. Yeah, exactly. Was there uh, was there anything? I, I guess you mentioned Petrucci before, which is probably probably the the main guy. But was there anybody sort of after sort of the the typical Angus and Malcolm Young uh, sort of guitarists out there that sort of 
made you sort of jaw drop and sort of go, oh, geez, like, you know, I can't even fathom, you know, what they're playing or, or you know, how do, I, how do I try and play that? Yeah, um, I think when I found Patricia, I sort of also found like Andy James, Jeff Loomis, and they just, those guys blew my mind. Like, especially hearing Sweet picking that for the first time, it was just like, holy shit, like, how do I do that? <laughs> and I think that's that, that was like the exact kick in the ass I needed just to like keep pushing. Because I, I, as much as I love ACDC, I think you, you reach a point where you just sort of like plateau, like you can't push yourself any more than you have. Mm. So like once I'd found like, like prog in general it was just like opened so many doors and I was just like oh my god there's so much I can learn there's so much I can do so I think that was like like from then on it was like leaps and bounds I was just constantly pushing myself trying to get better um can you remember can you remember what uh can you remember what Loomis uh track you you were listening to or or was it was it Nevermore stuff no it was his solo album I can't remember what it's called now Wow. Continuum something. Yeah, I've had right. a mental blank, but yeah, that that stuff where it's just instrumental. Yeah. Wow. Like absolutely, just amazing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I wasn't. I was expecting. Oh, maybe like a, I don't know, like uh, someone from Maiden or, or Priest or something like that. But it's like, nah, Jeff Loomis. I was like, oh shit. Okay, yeah, definitely, definitely, a, <laughs> definitely a jaw dropping guitarist for sure. Like, yeah, yeah, he's, rem- he's wild. Yeah, I remember. I remember back in high school, um, I had to take the blame. I'm, I'm sure I've told the story a million times on the podcast. So anybody listening, it's you know, whatever. But um, I had to take the blame for something at high school for a mate, and he was about to get suspended. And he said, "If if you take the blame for this, then I should be okay. I won't I won't get suspended." I'm like, "Okay, no worries." I didn't care. But he said, "I'll I'll buy you a CD." I'm like, "Okay, cool, sounds good." So I was th- I was thinking about it all day. I wasn't yeah. wasn't even worried about getting in trouble. I was just more fixated on the CD that I was going to select from the local sanity <laughs> down the road. And so we walk in there, and uh, and it was um, "Dead Heart in a Dead World" by Nevermore. And I go, I want yeah. that. And he's like, oh, man, it's $35 because it's all like you know, <laughs> import CD or whatever, you know, just crazy yeah. crazy prices for a CD. And so I got that and I just remember listening to, um, oh, it's it's like a it's like an early section in, uh, oh, what's the song called? The River, Dra- River Dragon or whatever it oh, is. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And just this guitar work and I just had never heard anything like it. I was just like, this is the this is absolutely insane. Like I just could not wrap my head around what he was doing or what it would even look like on the fretboard. It was just, just the most incredible, incredible guitar playing at the time, especially for me sort of, I think before that it was, it was literally like, you know, Metallica and Megadeth and Slay, the, the usual sort of typical mainstream heavy metal bands. So for to hear Loomis playing, it's like, oh man, yeah, <laughs> I've got a long, I've got a long way to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so um, did uh, I mean, was there was it what was the first uh, live gig that you went and saw? Was there was it a local show that you went and checked out? <clears throat> My first ever, ever gig was actually ACDC Black Ice. So I think it was, was it 2010? Yeah, right. Yeah, it would have been. That they yep. came. Yeah, so that was my first ever, like, show, and it was a big one too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was a good experience to, like, go to a stadium for the first time, see, like, see my favourite band at the, at the time play, which was pretty awesome. But, um, yeah, that was the very first thing. And then I sort of, like, didn't really get into – like actually seeing local bands until I got into the scene. Like, cause you know, when you're just sort of listening to the bigger bands, that's all you want to see really. And then like, you know, sort of like joined Thraxis and then started obviously getting into the local scene and the Australian scene and such. Um, and then finding heaps of bands. So that's when I like really started to go and see like all the local shows happening. But yeah, apart from that, like before it'd just be like, 
um, just the bigger guys and that sort of thing, the expensive shows. Expensive <laughs> shows are up, geez. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm really curious about I won't I won't spend the whole podcast talking about ACDC, but I'm really fascinated about how obsessed, like, and how much of a fan, like, your dad is. Because, I mean, you know, from what you said and just, like, you know, first show and then learning ACDC and all this sort of stuff, I mean, is is your dad, like, a like a mega fan? Is he, like, a huge... Oh, yeah. Yeah? Like, yeah, he's got, like, every single piece of, like, memorabilia there is. Like, there's drawers, drawers full of them. <laughs> oh, or he's so still cool. got, like, his shirt from, like, Ball Breaker from, like, 19-whatever. Yeah, wow. Like, just cra- crazy stuff. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, like, actually ridiculous. <laughs> Wow, that's so cool. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, you definitely see the mega fans around the place and like I'll, every once in a while I'll try and sell some music online and I, g- I get people that are trying to find a particular version of an album. So like, oh, I'm looking for the Brazilian pressing of, of like Iron Fist from Motorhead or whatever. And it's like, oh, geez, okay, well, good luck for trying to find that. Oh, and, yeah. And then you look at their collection, they've got like 30 copies of Iron Fist and you're just going, My, like, really? O- okay, I guess. I mean, why not? So. Uh, does your dad do that sort of stuff as well as far as like, you know, getting the different versions of all the albums as well? I think he's got some old vinyls, but that, like he won't sell them though, obviously, because they're probably worth a shit ton oh, now. Absolutely. Like I know he's got um, the original TNT vinyl and it's signed by Angus himself. So wow. like God, no- God knows how much that would even cost. Oh, I hope that's... So written. yeah, that's, that's, that's like a treasure piece. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. I hope that's uh, written to a will somewhere just to protect it. Oh, wow. Far out. That's... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, mega dollars. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. There's, I mean, especially people overseas, the Americans and uh, and people in Europe, especially Germany. I mean, they're always hunting the uh, the original pressings uh, of ACDC's uh, first few albums. So I think that stuff is yeah. really, really rare. It's like really yeah. collectible stuff. And like, I remember like some of the labels on the vinyls, like you, like the colors changed as well with the pressings. So there's like, I can't remember what it is, but it's like the yellow one is more expensive than the orange one. And there's a red one or something like that. And it all comes down to like, you know, they ran out and they said they repressed it a a couple of years later or whatever it was. And so certain ones are worth more than others. And it's just, it's absolutely insane. The level of detail that some of these people like know about these releases. So uh, yeah, if if he's got any of these old ones, like, yeah, do not part, do not like, (laughs) yeah, lock them up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, um, shifting gears a little bit, I'm I'm really curious mm. because uh, I've I've noticed a couple of pictures online of uh, you getting into bodybuilding. Um, <laughs> I'm not a bodybuilder. I just do it for fun. Well, but but it, no. Well, I didn't call you a bodybuilder, I was, but that was going to be one of my questions to say: Would you class yourself as a bodybuilder? But I can see that you're getting into bodybuilding, but I I know nothing about it at all. Um, and I mean, where? Where does that come from? Like, where where is the where's the the influence or the the inspiration come from uh, to to get into that? I think I actually just sort of started that myself. It's just one of those things. You know, when you thought I'm just going to start the gym just for the sake of starting the gym, I did that, and then I just like I don't know, it just became like a really big passion. I'm just like I'm not obsessed with it, but I like. I train five, six days a week and I absolutely love it. Like absolutely love it. Yeah. So, and then I just started getting more serious about it. And yeah, I, I think it's just like the feeling of training I love and like seeing results, obviously like over a long period of time is just like amazing. And then you look at the mich- in the mirror, like those photos I took the other day, I like stared and I was like, holy shit. I'm like, is that really me? <laughs> I was like, where did that even come from? <laughs> is it, is it something? Cause I mean, oh, to go, 
to train that much, I mean, that just, oh, I can't even wrap my head around that. That like the, the, the <laughs> amount of discipline that you would need. I mean, the fact that you like you just say you say straight out without hesitating, you love it is is amazing because I think anybody that ever wants to try and get fit and get in shape, just even remotely, um, just wishes that they would enjoy the process because it's so so hard. That's why so many people struggle. Um, yeah. Do you think that you may have had an advantage because? you know, because you've been playing music for so long and having the discipline, the structure of learning and always going back to the guitar and, and practicing and getting better and that sort of incremental progress, do you think that sort of has helped you with with the fitness side of things as well? Yeah, I, I think so. Because, yeah, like you said, I am disciplined, but um, like I'm very like structured with routine. So I think that's like even with guitar and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, like I have a lot of structure just with the things I do. So I, I think that probably helped with gym a lot. What's uh? I'm I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna dart all over the place. But what's what's the structure look like with guitar? Um, all right. So just say like I'll run the practice set list just to sort of warm up. I'm trying to get into a lot more of like metronome practice. So whether it be like my own solos, I try to focus on that a lot. Like um, doing metronome practice with my own solos. I'm trying to get into doing a bit more covers as well because yeah. I'm finding like learning new songs from other people and not just like my big influences, like bands I listen to but may have not learned a song, um, just to try and add some new tasty things into my playing or like um, just new types of expression or whatever it is, just try and change up my playing. Because sometimes I notice like, you know, when you've been writing for a while and you, you sort of get stuck and you've like sometimes I notice that some of my songs may sound a little the same or I'm, I'm using the same phrasing or so I try to like – when I'm practicing just at home, I try to, yeah, like structure that. So I just like run the set list just to practice that, do some solo work with a metronome um, and then also try and learn like some covers as well. Even if it's just like a section of a song that I really like that's new that I've like never really like played before that type of thing, I just try and do it just to um, just to challenge myself, I guess, I guess. Yeah, well, so. are, you, are you more or less self-taught? Um, yeah, pretty much. Like I did a few lessons here and there like earlier on. Um, but I have a weird way of writing. So like, I don't think lessons would, would really help me with that. Like I have like moments and it's generally when I'm not at home or near a guitar, it'll be like, I hear it in my head and then I have to, like, I have to either record it on my phone, me singing it or try and like tab it out by listening to it in my head. <laughs> it sounds weird, but then I come home and, and then try and work out if I haven't forgotten it by then. But yeah, that's how I write. It's really weird. Like sometimes I can... Like I'll get a few sections out or I get a whole song out in my head, if that makes sense. Like it's super, super weird, but it's like I can't force write. Like I can't sit down and go, I'm going to write this. I think that's why like Thraxis have never sort of – we go, like we don't go into a practice session and go, we're going to write a whole album today mm -hmm. or whatever because it just doesn't work like that. I think it's like for everyone we sort of pitch in ideas or whatever, but, yeah, for me it's like – I hear it in my head. <laughs> yeah. So I'll hear like I'll hear like a whole melody or whatever in my head and I gotta then like put on guitar. But yeah, I can't I can't force it. It's just gotta be one of those things that like come or I'll, I'll listen to say something new or whatever and I like hear it and I'm just like, Yep, done. All right, I gotta I gotta get to a guitar. <laughs> so are you I mean are you literally at some point in time like sort of out and about, you know when you're a guitar, you've got this thing that's just coming to your head. Are you trying to like I'm just imagining you like 
grabbing your phone and trying to like work out the tabs in like notepad or whatever it is, just trying to work out that might roughly (laughs) be it. Is that what you're doing? Yeah, that or I like turn the video on and try and sing the melody in my head. (laughs) (laughs) That one's a bit weird if you're in public. (laughs) (laughs) What is she doing? That that might be worth um, actually saving all those videos for for the vault for one day down the track oh, years God. and years later. <laughs> if you're ever looking for like old uh, content uh, for the band or something to look back on, <laughs> some funny videos. Oh but, God, they're horrid. Oh, uh, that's funny. That's funny. Oh, so, someone will get uh, get amused by them. But uh, yeah, I I think, I mean, I used to do this with. Uh, uh, just trying to come up with riffs and just little like melodies and things like that. And I'd wake up in the middle of the night with something in my head, like just the most random of things. And for a while there, I um, I had like a little cassette dictaphone thing next to the bed. And so I would like roll over, half hang out the bed, press record and just like, like just like, <laughs> and think that, and then press the stop button, put it down and just roll back into bed with this sort of, feeling of satisfaction going, yeah, got it. And then, <laughs> and then the next day or whenever I remember to go and listen back to the cassette, I'm going, what the hell is this dog shit? Like, I cannot even work out what the hell is, is going on in this cassette. <laughs> but luckily, I've got those cassettes somewhere. So I, one day I'll, 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 uh, I'll follow my own advice and I'll, I'll post <laughs> those, <laughs> those up online somewhere for a laugh because they're absolutely shocking. And I think a lot of them were... <laughs> Nights when I'd been out in the piss and and was uh, a little bit worse for wear, so it's probably got an extra element of um, of uh, of slurring and sloppiness uh, in those recordings. So just absolutely horrible stuff. I don't think anything good came out of them at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with um with the band and and writing, you mentioned like you know it's just not a case that you can just all walk into you know um, into rehearsals or whatever and and have that plan to just to start creating new music. And I think yep. a lot of bands struggle with that. I mean, we certainly don't. We will go away and, you know, if we've got a goal, we want to start recording by a certain date or we want to have things done by a certain date, then we'll sort of set those goals far enough in advance and then leave everybody to start pooling ideas together. But, yep. I mean, how is, is, it, is there a similar sort of concept with, with, uh, with the band and how you sort of approach even going into February with this recording have you more or less got your songs ready to go or are you still sort of going through and finalising the writing side of it? Um, all of it's finalised. I think we're just um, just sort of perfecting everything with a metronome now really and mm. sort of if there's any little bits we want to add or like say Bull and I are going through even just picking patterns and that sort of thing just to make it really tight, like getting all our gear and that set up, making sure everything's perfect. Um but yeah, in terms of writing, I think it's as well that we just don't really have time. Like we've all got different schedules. So we generally try and practice every fortnight, like on a weekend, maybe four hours or so. But like that four hours is gone so quick. So like but by the time you like practice your stuff, you know, have a break, have a chat, um, really there's not that much time left over to um, – like write something new and like as I said for me personally I can't really like sometimes I can but I can't generally force write I find it like whatever I force write just comes out shit <laughs> yeah it's it's tough I think I think there's there's definitely uh I think there's there's a good discipline that you can create from writing by just showing up all the time on a consistent basis to just, even if you're not feeling inspired and just just yeah 
creating shit, even even if ninety percent of it of it is garbage. Um, just just the the discipline of doing it and showing up all the time. Eventually, you'll come you'll come out with the gold. Um, but uh, yeah, in a in a rehearsal space with everybody around, it's really hard because you got to you got to get everyone focused, all on the same page. And it's usually easier to go through existing stuff. You know, the songs that you already yeah. know. Make sure that they're all tight and everyone's, you know, in somewhat of a you know, um, pl- uh, a certain level of playing fitness. Um, but I mean, sometimes we found, you know, we'll be, you know, try- just setting up our gear and getting ready and someone might get ready before everybody else. And so they're, they're mucking around on guitar or whatever, and they might come up with just this random riff and someone will go, oh, that sounds really cool. And so someone will grab their phone out and quickly record, you know, the riff. And then that might end up in an album six, 12 months later or whatever it is. But yeah. I mean, for us, that's probably the extent of the the creative process collectively. I mean, really, I think we we all sort of just go off and work in isolation, and then we sort of come together and try and piece piece the puzzle together afterwards. Mm, yeah. Going back to the bodybuilding bodybuilding stuff, is um, is there any like, is there any stigma that that you are aware of around bodybuilding? Because I, I know oh. that typically it's a... Oh. <laughs> Good <laughs> Str- question. S- struck a chord. Because I, I guess I guess maybe just to, just to fill out the question a little bit more, um, you know, I guess stereotypically you've got, you know, back in the day Arnie and, and all these guys and, and it's sort of a very... It's, I wouldn't say it's male-dominated, or maybe it is, but, I mean, I've certainly seen a lot of women in bodybuilding, but um, it still seems to be a bit of an unusual thing sort of... Um, if, if you're not in, in the industry or in that sort of, uh, in that group of interest, uh, already is, is there a lot of stigma around it? Have you, have you experienced it yourself? Um, yeah, particularly like say with women as well, but just the fitness industry as a whole is a little bit of a rot, like, sorry right. to say that, but, <laughs> um, just for example, just like bodybuilding as a whole, like there's obviously different divisions, but a lot of them are just, um, like steroid use and that sort of thing. A lot of yeah, people right. don't come out, don't come out about it. So like really if I went to compete, like I don't take any of that stuff. I, like just watch my eating, my protein, etc. Like I have a little bit of um, like powdered protein, but apart from that, like I'm completely natural. So like for me to go in, if I went to go and compete against someone who's on roids, well, like who do you think is going to win? Mm. And like there's testing and that sort of thing. Like obviously it's not compulsory that you're on roids to go and compete, but that's something I'd never do. Um, so it's like there's, there's no point in me going to try to compete when I am literally can't be competitive against someone who's been on roids for, say, two years or so. And they, they basically can make double the progress that I can because their muscles repair overnight, whereas, like, I may need two, three, or two, three days to actually recover mm. from my last workout. So really it's like I don't, I don't think it's something I'd, I'd want to get involved in. Is it, is it a bit of a bit of a dark sort of uh sort of space to be in like is it something that's i mean quite prominent is there a lot of other people that sort of like are you the exception to the rule do you feel at this point in time where you sort of there's not as many people sort of in a similar position to you well yeah like i don't really have any friends who like really train seriously or like obviously who compete or any of that sort of thing but um yeah yeah it's a it's a weird one i I think um I i don't i'm just trying to I can't even begin, begin to imagine sort of what would be involved just to go through sort of a competition like that anyway. But I guess if someone's got a clear a clear advantage, um, then it yeah. makes it really difficult and even even hard, no doubt, to just be motivated to sort of want to go down that path because I, I assume that it's probably something that you've considered at some point in time previously. 
Oh, I could never jump myself <laughs> unless no, it was oh, a, no, like a I mean, life just, or death no, I mean, situation. Com- no, 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 I meant competing. I meant competing. Like, oh. it, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not trying to get you to admit. <laughs> oh yeah, considered void use. Yeah, sure. <laughs> now, have you have you have you thought about like even sort of when you first started sort of showing some interest in it? Was it something you thought? Oh yeah, it would be cool to sort of go into a more co- uh, competitive space. Yeah, like definitely thought about. It. I'm still like I'm still thinking about powerlifting, but because I'm so tall, like technically, say just like a deadlift, I, I technically have like a larger like scale of area to cover, if that makes sense. Because I'm taller, like my my limbs are longer than say a short person, so they've got like a much shorter degree to actually move. Mm. So like. I think I still need to get a bit stronger, but like that's that is still an option because they do have um, like drug tested um, divisions. So like I definitely go into that. So I'm not up against someone who's on roids, but bodybuilding isn't tested. So that's why, I, like I did think about it, and then I thought, you know what, no, nah, that's just it's just too hard. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, is how long have you been doing it for? Um. Like a properly like serious training for about two years now, but all up I've been training for about four years. Wow, wow. Yeah. And and you just and just it came from just sort of wanting to go to the gym and just sort of getting fit and then it sort of just progressed into into bodybuilding. Yeah, well yeah, pretty much. It was just sort of like I think I was like in year twelve and I was like, you know what, I need to like get fit and actually get moving in that. because um, I used to do karate. I was a black belt in karate wow. when I was like 13, 14, so I did that for ages and then like sort of, you know, when you sort of stop doing fitness and you get like lethargic and just you feel gross, so I was like, oh, I'm going to go start the gym and that's really how it, how it all started. You must have been, you must have been the most hyperactive kid. <laughs> I was, I know, it was like karate, metal, I'm trying to think what else. <laughs> did, you, did you play any, any, uh, any other sports? Did you do any sort of sports stuff um, apart from martial arts? Um, did basketball and soccer for a little bit, but, um, yeah, martial arts, like I was pretty serious about, I did that for like eight years. Wow. Um, wow. and then yeah, stopped cause it just got too tolling with time. Like I used to be there every, every Saturday, like literally from like seven till like night. So like once I started getting older, it just got too hard to like dedicate that much time to it. Oh, it's just it's this level of obsession, like just with, <laughs> uh, just with every, like just all these things that you've you've done over the years. And I mean, as you said, like you're only twenty one. I just like keep thinking. Every time I talk to somebody, anybody that's younger than me now, I just think, oh, I'm like the old man now. I used to be always, the, I was, <laughs> I was always the baby, and everyone was yeah. older than me. And now it's getting to a point where I'm I'm transitioning to the other side now. And now I'm like <laughs> all these young whippersnappers. But um, yeah, oh man, for, for, to be twenty one and to to do all that and. And, and to that level as well. I mean, you know, just to to dedicate that much time to to crafty skill and and get good at what you're doing. I mean, it's 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 pretty incredible. Um, yeah, and I, I assume that um, you know, just playing playing guitar and and even sort of the fitness stuff that you've been doing more recently and and karate. I guess you you do have to interact with other people to a degree, but it's probably more you working on yourself it's a very sort of individual sort of thing that you do rather than team sports the stereotypical thing that most most kids go through where you're sort of having to work in a in a team with a lot of other people do you find that it's it's more appealing for you to sort of methodically sort of work through things and just sort of focus on yourself rather than having to worry about all these other elements around you and trying to bring everyone up to the same level 
I think it depends on what it is. Like fitness is sort of like one of those things where it's like headphones on, the rest of the world doesn't matter sort of while I'm training. But like with music, like as much as I enjoy um, like practicing at home, like practicing with the band is like my favorite thing to do. So yeah, just I think it just depends on like what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. I think I, yeah. I guess in a band, I mean, you can you can be a shit hot guitarist at home and and just I don't know, just put videos up on the internet. Um, yeah. But but you can't yeah you can't you can't do the band thing without other people. So mm. I guess yeah, there's, there's, exactly. there's an additional benefit benefit to that. Yeah, you, yeah. Have you um have you found many other people sort of in the I don't know, bodybuilding or in in the fitness world that are sort of metal fans or metal heads. Is there is there a community even just within the local scene that uh, have, are pretty pretty full on with uh, sort of you know this this uh, I don't know. I'm just I'm, I'm maybe I'm over exaggerating this because I'm such a slob, <laughs> but it just sounds like this this, this very extreme discipline sort of dedic- dedicated approach to 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 your fitness. <laughs> I think it's just like who I am, really. Like I'm I'm like that with music too. I think it's like. Just with, like, sort of whatever I do, I always, like, try to have the mentality of, like, it's 110%. And, like, you have to have that mentality of, like, I can do whatever I put my mind to. But in terms of, like, the bodybuilding thing, I don't – like, I just train by myself, really. Like, I don't really have, like, really any friends or anyone that's, like, super serious about it. Like, I know maybe one or two people, but I haven't actually trained with them or they're not close to, like, where I live or... So, really, it's just, like, one of those things, get in before work. Like, I've got friends at the gym that I talk to, but, um, yeah, it's just sort of get in, train, go to work, come home, play guitar, repeat. <laughs> I love it. So, <laughs> so, so, what, is, so what, what does that typical day look like as far as, like, you know, what time do you get up? I'm, I'm asking very sort of uh, Tim Ferriss-style questions here where I'm sort of analysing your day and your yeah. disciplines and everything. But uh, what, what, what does that typical day look like? Because I'm, I'm assuming just based off what you said before, you've got this down to a T. <laughs> sort of, sort of. So it used to be 4 to 5 a.m. training. Now I've decided I need, I need an extra hour of sleep so now let's get up at like about five get to the gym like eat breakfast get to the gym about six train from like about six six ish to like seven thirty, and then I'm only like 10 minutes to work so I just go straight to work um then work eight to five get home make dinner and then like really I've only got like what one two hours to like sort of play guitar or do whatever else I want to do in my downtime and then and then the weekends, um, I'm just sort of like, I like to keep busy. I'm one of those people that like, as much as I love free time and sort of like having downtime, I'd need to still be doing something during that downtime. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm the, I'm the same. I can't, I can't sit still. I've, I've got to to do something. And even if, I mean, my wife hates me for it, but I I just can't sit down and watch a movie. And if I do, then I've got to, I've got to do things. I've got to like, it's almost like a multitasking and that's something I'm actually trying to get better at is just to try and calm down and be in the moment a bit more. But I'm just, my mind's in five different places at the same time. I'm thinking about things or I'm planning something. I'm like, oh yeah, I've got to do that. Blah, blah, blah. And then I'm just forgetting what I'm, what I'm currently doing at the time. But yeah, um, yeah I, I love, I love filling out the day. I love, I love the rush of just having a plan and scheduling things in and just, and just keeping things moving all the time. And do you, yeah. do you find that sort of, you know, getting up really early in the morning? Cause I, I get up 
most mornings I'll get up at four, but I try like not every not every morning I'm I'm successful. So for me, a lazy day <laughs> might be six, which is still pretty good. But um, yeah. do you find that you because you're you're getting up so early, you're really trying to push all this stuff into small spaces of time around work that you find you actually are more productive. You get more done because your back's against the wall time-wise. Yeah. I, I actually find like that's the case because say the weekend, like you wake up and you're like, oh, I've got 10 hours to do this, you know, this one thing that probably takes half an hour to do. <laughs> and then like, like I won't get it done maybe till that night or even the next, like the next day. Cause I'm like, oh, I've just got so much time to do it. I'll just like, do it whenever so yeah I feel like sometimes when I'm not super super pressed for time like I do like to have downtime and that but like yeah I find I get stuff done better and like more efficiently if I've just got a schedule and I'm like yep I've got this amount of time so it needs to be done by this time yeah I think I think having some having some rules in place and some some deadlines make make it a little bit easier to sort of achieve and yeah yeah I, I'm the same I uh I was living down the coast for a few years and I just moved back up to Sydney oh, towards the end of last year. And a lot of, I had, I had to do a lot of commuting up to Sydney. And so that was a, that was a lot of my day sort of in, in the car. And so I found that I was so much more productive. I got so much more work done, um, because I was just cramming in every single minute I possibly could to, to yeah. get stuff done. But then I'm living in the middle of the city now, and so I don't have to worry about all this driving anymore. And so suddenly I had all this extra time, and it took me a few months to really try and get my life in order because everything just fell by the wayside. Like everything, just all my discipline went out the window. I had nothing, like I was just depressed because I just didn't know what was going on in my life and why I was so lazy. And, and then I just realized, oh, because time's not against me anymore. I've got all yeah. this, all this yeah. time. I've got the luxury of time. And so I had to then start fabricating these rules and going, I need to do this by this time and just create all these rules just to keep me accountable. And, and luckily that's worked. But, um, so when you mentioned that, as far as, uh, getting up early, getting to the gym, working, coming home, playing guitar, I was like, ding, ding, ding. Like, it's like, oh, that's so exciting. <laughs> it's, it's, exactly, <laughs> it's exactly what I do. Yeah. I just got to try and cram it in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. Like days off now, sometimes if I like got a days off, I'm like, what do I do with myself now? <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, <laughs> I, I have to. I have to plan the days where there's nothing planned, and just yeah. puts. Even if it's even if it just means there's like two or three things to do. Uh, as long as I do that, I feel like I've achieved something, and I feel a little bit more, you know, at at peace, knowing that uh, that I, I kept I kept the needle moving a little bit just to just to try and keep everything sort of chugging along. Yeah. So. Uh, I know that you probably you probably can't give away too much information, uh, but obviously the recording in in February is that going to be uh, an EP or an album or another single? Um, it's going to be an EP, so you'll have six new songs from us. Um, yeah, like I, I I would have loved to do an album, but one it's financially quite expensive, yeah. and two we actually don't have like I'd like to do maybe ten to twelve songs for an album. Um, like we're close, we're close to that, but I thought, you know, I don't want to rush anything and I do want to get some new music out like sort of soon. So like an EP we all decided was the best thing for us. Cause like, I think next year, August, that's going to be two years since we released Cthulhu Rising. So like, you know, I really want to get some, some new stuff out, especially considering that was a single. So. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, there's a lot of arguments about, you know, how, how bands should release music now and, a lot of people sort of tend to think that bands should just release singles 
just indefinitely and just keep single after single after single and just just do it that way. Um, mm. uh, and then albums aren't as popular or whatever it might be. But um, I think I think EPs are really good because it's it's the best of both worlds. It's it's small enough that you can you can keep things moving and it's not a massive commitment like an album would be financially and even time and just the energy that you got to put into it. Um, but it's not it's not just one song either. So it's something that's, it's, it's a bit of a package. You can put it out there and it kind of keeps things moving and gets people interested. And it's a great, it's kind of like a carrot. You can dangle the carrot out there and show people. It's sort of like what the single was in a way. Like you can sort of dangle it out there and say, Hey, look, this is what we're all about. If you like this, then start paying attention to us because we'll, we'll, we'll have more stuff in the future as well. So I assume that the sort of EP will probably work similar to, to what the, what the single did for, for you guys. Yeah, yeah, for sure, definitely. But, yeah, I think, yeah, six songs is, like, a good sort of thing, like, to listen to start to finish. And, it, like, you're still wanting more because it's not a full album. But we do have some long songs on there. Like, one of them is about eight minutes. So, really, it's still going to be a long EP, like, time-wise, but obviously just the six songs. Yeah, cool. Oh, exciting. Yeah. I, I love uh, I love, I love, love the process of – I don't really like the recording part. I think that, that part kind of sucks a bit, um, but I'm – I'm not a musician's musician, so I know a lot of people absolutely <laughs> love be, love being in the studio and creating creating in there. But I love I love the whole sort of lead up and the campaign and sort of building it and building the hype and getting it out there and and just yeah. seeing seeing what sort of impact and what sort of reaction you get. So it's exciting exciting to hear hear you sort of describing it and just talking about sort of what, what the plans potentially look like for next year and and where it all goes. Um, yeah, I is the I mean not worrying about whether you can or can't play, is it a case of when you can play focusing on more more Sydney shows or is it going to be a case of trying to find interstate opportunities again or even expanding further? Is there sort of some thoughts or some, some plans in the back of your minds about what you, what you want to do? Um, we do have something big locked in for next year, but I can't mm. say anything just yet. <laughs> but yeah, so pretty much we will be venturing out a lot more. Like I love playing Sydney, but also like don't want to play Sydney so much that people sort of like get sick of seeing you, if that makes sense. Yep, definitely. Like I definitely, definitely want to venture out and like, especially when the EP comes out, um, keep pushing towards other states so we can sort of keep building our, um, like our fan base around Australia, not just Sydney. Um, otherwise, yeah, like, how do, how do you grow really yeah. so that that's the plan like next year we're going to hit it hard um but yeah we've got some big plans i just can't say anything just yet <laughs> no, no, i understand i understand i've uh, i always get in trouble because i go and leak things i go and say something either on the podcast or you know, and, um, <laughs> i did something last year where um oh there's a, a comedian um who's been on this podcast aaron gox and yeah. uh, he he was doing some sort of Kickstarter thing for a, uh, a video that he was putting together, some sort of, I don't know, I can't remember what it was, but uh, he was raising money. And one of the perks was that he would do a roast video. So he'd roast one of your mates. So I, it was like, <laughs> I, don't, I can't remember what it was, 50 bucks or whatever. So I paid 50 bucks and and then he contacted me and said, oh, okay, cool. So um, what? who do you want to roast? And I said, Mark Fertner. And he's like, all right. <laughs> and he goes, so tell me about him. So I gave him all this material, all this ammunition. And so he did this roast video, which is kind of, it's just, it's very dorky. It's very like Aaron Gox. And, yep. and one of the things in there was he name dropped the new album. And this was, oh, month, no. this was months before <laughs> the album was coming out. And I actually thought I wasn't going to get this video for a long time. And he gave it to me. And then I just got so excited. I'm like, oh, this is hilarious. Posted online. 
And then Tim's like, mm, um, luckily this video is not really doing very well on Facebook because he basically name drops the album. Um, who told him that? what the album title was. And I'm like, oh, well, I didn't expect him to do the video so soon. Oh, oh, oh no. So was, uh, I, I, I put my foot in it all the time. I'm like the, I'm like the kid in the band who gets excited about everything and needs to go and tell everyone and I have to keep reading yeah. it and going, keep, keep it, keep it, keep it in, Andy, keep it in. <laughs> it's um, so hard. It feels like you're going to just like burst sometimes. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and especially the ones where you'll have like these great opportunities and it looks really good, but it's not a hundred percent confirmed and you want to go and tell oh, everyone yeah. and yeah. it always happens. As soon as you start telling people you jinx yourself and it never goes, ne- never goes ahead, never, yeah. never follows through. So yeah. then they go, whatever happened to you saying that you were going to do that show or you're going to go and do that tour or you're going to release that thing. And I'm like, Oh, oh yeah, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. So yeah. I'm like, Don't say anything until it's announced. Just uh, leave yeah. it, leave it quiet. Leave it quiet. <laughs> All right, time to uh, dip your toes in Thraxus's world by uh, checking out their latest single, Cthulhu Rising or Cthulhu Rising or something like that. Um, anyone that's been listening to me on this podcast for the past several years will know that my pronunciation of any word in the English language is pretty pretty dismal. So uh, there you go. Uh, the theme continues. But uh, thraxusband.bandcamp.com, I will have links to Alex and the band, uh, all the social media handles, everything will be in the show notes over at andysocial.net and andydowling.net. And of course, there'll be uh, a description in the show notes of whatever podcast player you're listening to this through right now. So you'll be able to click through and say hi to Alex and and yeah, let her know what you thought of the episode and go back and say hello to everyone who's been on the podcast for the five plus years of uh of this podcast existing. So, uh, yeah, uh, massive thank you for you all for tuning in to another week of the podcast and continuing to support. And uh, before we wrap it up, of course, Patreon, patreon.com slash Andy Dowling. We're getting to the tail end of 2020, and it's been a fantastic year, first year of uh, jumping onto Patreon after many years of podcasting, and uh, I have not regretted it one bit. It's been absolutely fantastic. It's been a massive weight off my shoulders this year with having some of the financial uh, commitments of running a podcast, hosting, production, um, gear, all sorts of stuff um, that uh, comes out of my pocket. And uh, the crew, the, the the community that's been building over at Patreon has been a massive help in taking some of that pressure off me and helping me focus more on just having great conversations and getting more uh, fantastic guests on the podcast. So in particular, a massive thank you to the people that are on my $10 and $20 tiers on Patreon. Those legends include... Andrew from Perth, Mick G from Sydney, Ash from Daniloquin, Dan from Dapto, Rod from Rayleigh in North Carolina, uh, Patrick from Canberra, Liam from Brisbane, Chris from Sydney, and we've also got Brendan from Leeton, Tim from Canberra, and uh, James from Brisbane, and we've also got Christian from Canberra. I don't know why I struggled to read that list, but... It is what it is. So there you go. Thank you so much, Legends. And to everybody else that's on the uh, other tiers, the $1 and $5 tiers, uh, support starts from only a buck a month. It is dirt cheap. You don't even have to worry about anything. It's a set and forget. Uh, But if you want to get access to the exclusive Patreon podcast that comes out every Tuesday morning, 6 a.m., it's got a bit of everything in there, Um, some some karaoke, some uh, stories from around the world. Uh, some shit that I've been listening to and reading and watching. Uh, got a little segment called Planes, Trains, and Animobiles, and uh, a bunch of commercials from yesteryear. A whole bunch of stuff on there. It's pretty much the best podcast on the internet. So you can go and check all that out. And that's for anything $5 and above on Patreon. So get on over there, support it. And just a massive thank you to all the people that have uh, jumped onto Patreon so far this year. It's just um, 
as I mentioned before, I, I have not regretted this at all. To begin with, I was like, oh, do I do this? Do I take the step into Patreon? But um, I've been really happy with it, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how much it grows in the new year as well. So thank you very, very much. Now, is this the last episode of uh, 2020? I think it is. I think it is. So um, there you go, folks. I, I don't know whether I should really do a bit of a reflection because... Well, I just don't want to waffle too much, but um, it's been a great year. Uh, we kicked it off with Andrew Farris from In Excess at the beginning of the year. We started in February. We didn't actually start at the beginning of the year. Uh, we had a bit of crazy talk, uh, sort of uh, a bit of a crazy talk format that was uh, happening in between guest episodes for well, the first few months of the year anyway, before we uh, flipped over to Patreon. And um, I've had some some great people. I've done a bit of traveling around the country before COVID hit, managed to, to smash out a few in-person episodes at the beginning of this year. And uh, the rest of it's been online, uh, you know, WhatsApp, Zoom, Skype, phone calls, whatever it's taken to keep this podcast moving. And I've had some fantastic chats. It's been one of the best years of the podcast to date. Uh, and despite everything happening in the world, uh, I'm just so stoked and so happy that everyone's continued to stick by the podcast. Uh, I've seen the numbers grow and it's just been, it's, it's been really fun. And I'm, I'm more, more inspired, more motivated than ever for the new year. Um, as a lot of you know, with Patreon, I've got the first goal of getting up to $200 a month on Patreon. And once I hit that goal, then I'll be able to up the ante and do two guest episodes a week. And uh, I will say it again because people will be sick of me uh, talking about it, but there might be some new listeners here. And uh, if I do go to two episodes, well, I will go to two episodes a week. And when I do, uh, the Monday morning uh, guest episode that you you come to expect, we'll have a brand new guest. And that guest, as you've seen over previous weeks, could be anybody. It could be a comedian, could be a muso, could be a, uh, somebody in the sports world. It could be someone that works in one of the science fields. It could be anything. Um, just anyone that I find interesting and a little bit out there or whatever it might be, that will be uh, the Monday morning podcast. And then potentially Wednesday or Thursday morning. I don't, I don't know when it's going to happen. I'll, I'll work it out uh, when, when we get closer to. But uh, the second guest episode will be either a return guest. So someone over the past 250 plus episodes, someone will make a return uh, visit to the podcast and say hi. And I really wanted to do more of that. So I've had a little bit of that um, this year. We're going to try and uh, make that more regular. And also I'm going to use this second guest episode to have more Australian musicians on the podcast, not just metalheads, uh, metal musicians, heavy mu music mu musicians, but just anybody, any Australian musicians. And I'm going to try and create a little bit of a spotlight for more Australian music on the podcast without turning the podcast into a music podcast, because I am talking with a whole range of different people from all over the world, from different backgrounds. And I want to keep doing that, but I also really want to uh, dig deep into the music world as well and highlight the amazing Australian musicians such as Alex on this particular episode as well. So Lots to come in the new year. I'm looking forward to getting back out there again. Hopefully we can start traveling a little bit more and uh, doing a, a lot more in-person chats and podcasts and I can get back overseas at some stage in the next 10, 15 years. Who knows what's going to happen with uh, with, uh, with with all that stuff. You, got, you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, but uh, there we go. 2020 is done. Thank you very much. Here's to a, a better year. Hope you're all well and um, yeah, let's uh, let's kick into a new year. Take care, folks, and uh, next week, new episode. See you later. Larry. Larry, please.